Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You can't live in sexual sin and then expect God's goodness, God's blessing upon your sinful lifestyle. You got to repent of that. You have to repent. You have to turn away from it, whatever it is. You're living with someone that's not your husband, not your wife. You guys are living like y'all are married, having sex. Y'all can't do that. God is not okay with that. That's you living in sin. God is looking at your relationship with each other saying, that relationship y'all have with each other is so big that you guys regularly sin against me to have that. That's your idol. Does it ever feel like God's blessings are absent from your life? If that's the case, Pastor Bill reminds us in today's message that we need to examine ourselves. If we're living in God's will, there's no reason for Him to keep His blessings from us. So logically, we must not be living in His will or according to His instructions. Take a good look at your life in comparison to God's commands. We all have something we need to repent of. If you don't feel conviction, then there's something you're missing. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 18 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Verse 10, the nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, their nakedness you shall not uncover for there is your own nakedness. These are grandbabies. And again, I just read that and I think, hey, you shouldn't have to say that. These are grandbabies. You know, I, most people I know that the grandparents adore the grandbaby. That's like the joy of old life. Some grandbabies. I'm going to spoil them rotten and send them back home cutting up high on sugar you know that's the that's the high point of, of of getting older i didn't raise kids i'm done with them now the empty nest is happening i'm bummed out from the empty nest and then they have some babies and it all gets better again and they bring the baby bring the grandbabies you get to live it up that's what's supposed to be grandkids are supposed to just bring another a second phase of joy as you grow older but here god is saying hey that that relationship's been defiled over here in canaan people taking advantage of the grandbabies so he says hey not with your grandkids either. Again, I read these things and I think, did that really need to be said? God never wastes words and he never wastes warnings. It, it must have needed to be said because he's saying it. Verse 11 now says, the nakedness of your father's wife's daughter. So your father's wife, maybe stepmom's, her daughter. So again, might not be blood relation, might be, you know, stepsister, distant stepsister. God is saying, don't, don't go there. Don't no, it's family next of kin to you. Shouldn't be the case. Verse 12. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. That'd be your auntie. She is near of kin to your father. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister. She is near kin to your mother. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother, uncle. You shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. Verse 16, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. And so now you're speaking to brothers, not supposed to defile your brother's wife. over and so on. Verse 17, you shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter, nor shall you take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. They are near kin. It is wickedness. So here he says, you know, God's not supposed to have a woman and her daughter. Now I'll speak on that because there are actually religious cults and groups that do this sort of thing today. There are some religious cults and groups where the guy will have multiple wives within the cult. 
One of the things that people don't realize about many of the different religious cults is one of the things that always identifies them as man-made is how that the men always end up being able to have multiple women. In the Mormon church, if you're a Mormon and you die, guess what heaven is for the Mormon man? You get to go and populate a planet. Guess how many wives you get? You get multiple wives. You get to, you get to go populate your own little planet. If you are a Muslim and you die, you're a Muslim man. What's the Muslim's man heaven? How many virgins does he get? Seven. Seven virgins. Now, what do they get? I always look at I said, how is that heaven for a woman? Any woman here looking forward to going to heaven and being one of seven virgins for some dude? Yay! <laughs> That's not heaven for the woman. This should just be a hint that it's man-made. There are cults, Christian cults, up in Utah and some other places where the cult leader have all the people living there and the women will have kids and her kids, they got to give them over to him as well. And so these young girls that have grown up in some of these cults, they've been handed around since they were since they were barely in puberty and given over in that way. And it's a shame. Base sexual crimes against these young ladies are, are happening. So in Canaan, these were some of the practices. They were there was one practice in Canaan. They had uh, something that we see throughout scripture. It's called it was temple prostitution. And if you were part of that, that's how you worship. Um, there were women that every woman had to serve her time as a temple prostitute where you had to be there. And whoever guys were there, you had to be available for them sexually. If you had daughters, you had to bring them into that as well. And so your daughters got brought into the temple prostitution. And I look at that and I just think, so the men are just having whoever, whenever. And the women are having to do their time as part of their worship. That's the kind of stuff that was going on in Canaan. God is telling them when y'all get there, please, when you get there. When you get to Canaan, it's wicked. It's really wicked. And there's all these things going on. There's all this sexual perversion. Do not take it. Upon, don't do it. Don't copy them. Don't do the stuff that they're doing. Because why? Because it's going to bring a curse upon you guys. It's going to cause you guys to be punished. It's going to damage your relationship with me. You guys remember the story with Balak and Balaam, right? Um, he wanted him to pronounce a curse against Israel. And he went down and he said, no, I can't do it. Yes, I can't pronounce. The guys said, well, I'll pay you this much money. When do you want me to pronounce the curse? And he took the money and he went down there and he went to go pronounce a curse and blessing came out. And he said, well, let's go on the other side. Let's try, let me try again over here. And he did it again and blessing came out. Man, I paid two, two times up. You curse him. He tried it again and blessing came out. He said, you know what? I know what we can do. I can't curse him. Right? To try to curse him, blessing comes out. But he said, this, I, we can make him curse themselves. He said, you take you some of these little young women over here. And you see Israel down there in the camp. Send some of these little women. Let them go down there into the camp and let them go into the tent and let them have sex with these men. And after they do, tell them to bring out their little idols and have them worship their idols. And that's exactly what they did. They, they went for, they said, man, we can't, get, we can't get God to pronounce a curse. We'll get them to curse themselves with sexual sin. All they did was send the women down. The women didn't rape the men. So they went down and they probably was cute little girls and they probably went sashaying through the camp and they little, you know, whatever hoochie mama gear was at that era. You know, they went through Israel's camp and next thing you know, they was in the tents and men were sinning against God, fornicating with these women. And as they did, these women said, oh, look, at my, I, this is the God we worship. Come, come bow down over here with me. Would you like that up for me? Worship my God with me. And it says God's anger was aroused. Thousands of people died as a result of that. And, and, it, and it finally got put to, to rest. Um, but thousands, tens of thousands died before that thing was over with. And I look at that scenario and I think, wow, Satan knew. The enemy knew. This is how we can get God's people in a bad situation with the Lord. So I would say this to anybody here that's in sexual sin. You might be in sexual sin wondering why you're not blessed. 
Why you seem so distant from the Lord? What's wrong with your walk with the Lord? You're in sexual sin. God ain't going to bless that. You can't live in sexual sin and then expect God's goodness, God's blessing upon your sinful lifestyle. You got to repent of that. You have to repent. You have to turn away from it, whatever it is. You're living with someone that's not your husband, not your wife. You guys are living like y'all are married, having sex. Y'all can't do that. God is not okay with that. That's you living in sin. God is looking at your relationship with each other saying that relationship y'all have with each other is so big that you guys regularly sin against me to have that. That's your idol. I can't be your God while y'all got that. I can't bless that relationship. I can't be for that. That relationship is killing your relationship with me. God can't bless that. He won't. It'd be something you have to repent of and get back into a place where God is. He's the Lord God. Where God, I do what you say, do I'm allowing you to be the Lord of my life. Those were some of the practices. Those were some of the things that were taking place at that time. Moving on in verse 18 said, nor shall you take a woman as a rival to her sister to uncover her nakedness while the other is alive. Um, now, that just be mean. It said, look, you marry this girl right here. You can't go marry her sister and it would become her rival. Anybody know the people in the Bible that did that? Jacob, right? And then kind of feel bad. It wasn't really Jacob's fault because he he wanted Rachel. He worked hard for Rachel. And then he woke up at the wedding morning and it was Leaky Eye. He had Leah. And he said, that's messed up. And he had to work another seven years for Rachel. And he finally got Rachel. And But that was a painful situation. Poor Leah. I read that story and I think, man, you know, her dad did that to her. Her dad shoved her in that bad situation like that. But it was, they were rivals. You guys remember we went through Genesis. They had a baby making contest. This one just popping out babies left and right. This one going out getting mandrakes, you know, which is aphrodisiacs to try to get it going. And, and they just were going at it. That didn't, that's, that didn't look like a blessing. That didn't look like a fun time. And God said, don't do that. I, I just pause here and say this. God's plan for marriage. One man, one woman. This is God's perfect plan for marriage. Whether you had this or not, this is the perfect plan. God's perfect plan for marriage is this. A man that loves God, that's walking with God in integrity and in purity and holiness. A woman that loves God, walking with God in integrity and in purity and holiness. Brought together by God coming together in marriage, and then, then the sexual relationship. Then God didn't tell Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply until after they had been. He performed the first marriage there in the Garden of Eden. He didn't drop Eve down and just let them go try out, you know. He performed, he gave them some instructions first, and then he said, now go at it, have at it. So God's perfect plan for a marriage is a man and a woman. Um, it's a lifetime relationship. It's forever. Um, it's not supposed to be something that is temporal, something that you try out, you come into, you come out of. Even as you move into marriage, you have to be moving into marriage with a permanent attitude. You know, as you look at some of you guys are single and you're praying about what God has in store and everything else. So if you're a single lady, men may approach you. Men may come and say, how you doing? My name is such and such. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever they might say, you know, and, and, and when they do, you know, as you, as, you, as you evaluate them, one thing matters. You want to evaluate where they at with the Lord. Where is this man at with God? Does he know God? Does he hear from God? Will God hear him? Is this man coming after, is he looking for a wife? Or is he looking for, you know, I, I don't want to be coarse, it's church, you know. But if they're not looking for a wife, they, they, men are kind of looking for one or two things. Some men are looking for a wife. 
Some men are looking for someone or something to satisfy their lust for a little while till they get tired of you. Then they'll find another one and another one. And you'll find out as you talk to them that why there's already been several. Um, that might be your first hit to not get in line. You know, there's been, what's your history? Oh, there's, you got four kids? Wow, four baby mamas. Wow, wow. Maybe you're not marriage material. Maybe you're not the marrying type. But let's say they've been saved recently or something like that. Anyway, the goal of marriage is forever. You want to approach it with that in mind. Um, you don't want to be looking at somebody that looks like they'd be some good temporary fun and y'all doing permanent stuff. That's what a lot of people do. And that's what they do. Our culture calls it dating. Y'all know dating is not in the Bible? Y'all know that? This might really mess up some of y'all. Dating is not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. You can't find anybody in the Bible that dated. If they did, Samson dated. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. Um, Samson dated, but you know that, that we know how that went. So Dating is not in the Bible, right? In the Bible, people courted for marriage. Jacob saw Rachel. He said, I want a wife. I want to, I want to marry her. What I got to do to me? I want to marry her. That was the goal. It wasn't like, hey, can we go out and just ride camels together? And, you know, this is kumbaya and just kick it for a while and see how things go. And if, if, if you like me and I like you, after a while, we'll go ahead and get married. He saw her and said, nah, that's, that's, that's the one. I, I want to marry her. What I got to do, right? That, you see courtship in the Bible. Now, that's what's supposed to be happening today in the church. The world going to do whatever the world does. The world, they're going to date. They're going to speed date. They're going to slow date. They're going to cheat while dating. They're going to do, the world's going to do everything. But as believers, we got the Bible, right? I should be, if, if I'm single, I'm not, I'm married. I got mine. Um, but if you're single, then you know what? If, if You don't have to stay single. You say, God, I want to be married. Okay. Then I'm looking for you, Lord, to provide me with somebody that meets your qualifications uh, for a wife or for a husband and be committed to wait until God brings you that because some people are impatient and rather than wait on God to bring someone that's marriage material they get somebody that look like a uh, look like a restoration project and like I think if I patch that and I fix that and I shine that and I buff that it, it might look like a husband you know don't 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 do that don't the Lord need to fix them up before he bring them to you so don't take a project don't take someone that looks like, man, after, I bet with a little work, you know, I could really make something out of this. That's not what you, when you're looking for, a, if you like old cars, you could do that. But that's not how you approach marriage. Amen? You'll be on that project 10 years later. So it's just, it's just not working. It's because it's the work that needs to happen is not a work you could do. It's a work that God needs to do. And if God can't work on them when they're single, he's probably not going to be able to work on them when they marry you either. Because God could work on anybody that allows him to work. So if you're looking at them in their single state and God's not working, that means that they're not yielded to the Lord to do a work. So when they get married, they probably still be not yielded to God to do a work. And you could use all the elbow grease. You could you lose all your hair trying to make it into what you was hoping for. So what you want to do is wait out for what you was hoping for. I had it said to me like this one time. If I went to a car dealership and I test drove a car and it broke down, do you think I would be in the finance department seeing how I could finance it no that would be stupid um it's clearly not working it's clearly not something I, I would want to buy so as you investigate someone and you talk like we're not trying it out in that kind of way but as you investigate someone and you learn about them and you realize that oh it's it's not working out they're not really walking with the lord that's when you just say, okay, it was nice to meet you. Keep going to church, though. Don't sit by me. But you keep going. You know, you let them know. And you keep it moving. Keep yourself free for what God does have. Last thing, 
Last mistake I see people make. There are people that they know they really want what God has. I really want what God has for me one day. But I got this right now. And I'm going to hold it quiet. I'm going to keep it on the low. And then once I see something that looks like what God has, the plan is then I'll, then I'll let it go and go get it. And I'm telling you, that doesn't work either. God's not going to bring you what he has for you while you're still holding on to what you went and caught at the club. So you got to come to God with empty hands saying, God, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll have nothing until you bring me something. But if you got to have something that you can count on, that's all you're going to have is the something you went and grabbed. When you let go of all that you've done in your own flesh, efforts, and energy and say, God, I, just, I, I, don't, I know what I could do. I'm, I'm done with that. How you ha- Here's my life. Have me. And just let the Lord have you. That's, that's the position you want to be in as you look for the Lord to bring things to pass in your life. Okay, moving on. Uh, verse 19. Also, you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is in her customary impurity. Uh, we talked about that a few chapters ago. If a woman's on her menstrual cycle, not supposed to have sex with her during that time. If you do, the Bible says you're considered unclean for seven days. You had to have a special washing and, and then you can come back into the congregation. So that was not to happen. Verse 20. Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. Uh, adultery. Um, not supposed to, as one of the Ten Commandments, not supposed to desire your neighbor's spouse. Would seem obvious, and he just went through all these other things, but I, it goes to say, don't look across the fence, cross the street, cross, you're not supposed to look at your, your neighbor's spouse. Your, your, who's your neighbor? Anybody in your sphere of influence, people you know, um, happen sometimes in churches where somebody, they married somebody, and they're, they're in the marriage that they're in, and they're like, oh, this person seems like they have such a great marriage, and their wife cooks them and does this, or her husband is so godly, and la, 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 and they start looking over the fence. God says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't look at what somebody else got. Because if somebody else is married to them, they're not for you. Um, so don't even look at it. Don't even, don't even investigate. Don't even, don't even lay up and think about it. Don't even wonder. Don't even daydream about it. They're already in a covenant with somebody else. They could not be who God has for you. Sadly, those sort of things happen. People build relationships and so forth and so on. God says, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't even covet after your neighbor. Be, if, your, your, if your girlfriend have a great husband, be happy for her. Man, I'm happy for you. If your buddy has a wonderful wife, be happy for him. And then look at the one you got and be happy for you. <laughs> and if it's not going great, work on it, right? Work on your marriage until your marriage is a blessing too. Don't be looking over the fence. That'll never be God's will. That'll never be something God will bless. That is going to bring woe, pain, hardship, and all kind of tragic things to follow. God says, do not be looking with your neighbor's wife. Don't lay carnally with your neighbor's spouse. Verse 21. And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Okay, so the Canaanite, there was a Canaanite God named Molech. It stood about five feet high. Um, It had outstretched hands. The middle of it was hollow and the way they would worship this God Molech was they would put fire in the middle of it. They would heat it up until the hands were red hot. And part of the worship, they would take their newborn child. And the, I was reading up and the manager of custom said that the, 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 the parents had to bring the child together and put it in the hands of Molech when his hands were hot. They couldn't show emotion as the baby burned there in the hands of this thing. They weren't to show emotion. They weren't to show sorrow. This is how they would worship this God, Molech. We hear that and we think, that is horrific. 
Who could do such a thing? Who could take a baby and just put them there and let them burn and cry and everything else? And then they would be beating drums loudly all, all around this part of the worship to drown out the cries of this infant. That was how they worshiped this God, Molech. This is what they did with many of those babies that were born out of these relationships that were not of God anyway. Temple prostitution and sex with everybody over here would result in babies that people didn't want and they would offer them up to Molech in this way. That's horrible. It's a sin. God said, don't do it. What's our present day version of this? By the way, Molech was the God of prosperity. And I read that and I think, wow, because today... Abortion is sadly common. Millions and millions of babies died through abortion because people sinned and had a baby they didn't want. It was untimely. I wasn't ready for it. It was going to mess up. I wasn't going to be able to finish school. I was going to take away my money. Same type thing here. The God of prosperity, the God they worship, their people today sin. And then in order to cover up the sin or do away with the consequences, the results of sin, we murder a child. Common in our land, common in the world, sadly, is also common in the church. And the church is common because people are sleeping around, they're not supposed to, they know they're not supposed to. And then they don't want to be known as, oh, I did that. I don't want to be walking around church pregnant. I'm going to just go do this, get rid of it. So a few things I want to say on that. First of all. Abortion is, is murdering a baby. Um, the doctors will say, oh, it's just a blob. That's a life. You just do a little bit of research on it. At, at every stage, from the moment the sperm hit the egg and it, life is happening, that that's a life right there. And it begins to develop. And it's a life in God's eyes. It's a life. Life began there. God said that, that when you were in your mother's womb, Right. When I the verse we give people when they're having a child, they said when you were in your mother's womb, you were skillfully wrought in the womb. That means God said I was already working on you in the womb. John the Baptist and Jesus, they were in the womb when, when the moms met and they were filled with the Holy Ghost in the womb. I mean, that means he was a, you've got to be a person to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He don't feel blobs. Impregnated women, that's a life. And interesting because if if I was to rob and kill a woman that was pregnant, I get two murder charges. But if a woman goes in to have a county funded operation to get rid of a baby, it's not considered a life. Just just a blob now. No murder charges to be held against this place. So as a church, we need to hold the opinion God's word holds. People fudge on these things. Well, you know, what if it was the result of a rape or molestation or what's still a life? That was bad, but you don't cover up one crime with another. You don't cover up one person's sin by another one on your own part. It's a sin to kill a baby ever, period. If you've done that, obviously, if you've done that in your life, um, I pray, I'm sure that by this point you've repented and asked the Lord to forgive you. It's not the unforgivable sin. God will forgive you. I'm not saying these things to make any woman here that did this at some point in her life feel horrible or it beat you down. I'm speaking to the people that are living in such a way or considering that that is an option. If you've done that, then you repent. God loves you. The blood of Jesus cleanses us of all sins. And you're not under the guilt. You're not under the shame. You're not under condemnation for what you have done. You've confessed it. You've repented of it. You're not doing it any longer. You're okay. You're okay. I'm not, I'm not beating you guys up. I'm not beating anybody up that will fall under that. But I'm saying to people that are living in such a way, I still am living like if, if it happens, I do this. This would be my option. It shouldn't be our option if you're a Christian. If you're saying Jesus is Lord of your life, that shouldn't be something we consider the murder of a child. So uh, the world has an opinion about it. The church should have an opinion about it that's shaped 
by the word of God. For the believer, it should just be a non-issue. That's wrong. We don't participate. Um, but what if the doctor said my child was going to have a deformity? Then God gave me a child with a deformity and we're just going to have to deal with that. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. But we're so glad you joined us for today's teaching on Pastor Bill. As we continue learning from the book of Leviticus together, our prayer is that you begin to understand where you come from. Knowing your roots is so important to understanding your faith and the heart of God. You may think all the rules within the Bible are outdated or just plain don't make sense, but they were there for a reason. They weren't there to punish, but rather to guide. And who doesn't need a little guidance from time to time? We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Leviticus and encourage you to read on on your own. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. If you live in or near the Inglewood area, we'd love to meet you and invite you to join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryInglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person, and you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryInglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on A Transforming Word.